All right, welcome everybody to our latest MX Vice SMX show podcast as we talk all things SMX and motocross and nations in what looms as a fascinating finale to the season at Erne. Thank you for listening and supporting the site. We really appreciate it. Before we get cracking on this one, firstly, I'd like to thank our sponsors in Golf Racing Fuels, Fly Racing, Monster Energy, Fox, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Achieves, ASU Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK, O'Neill, and of course, Even Strokes for all their incredible support. As without them, none of this would be possible. All right, I'm back with the great man, Brad Wheeler, for this one as we have a good chat about the nations coming up and a bit of SMX stuff like the schedule, the numbers coming up. Yeah, before we get started, mate, so how are you? And how is the Yamaha testing out in France with the new bikes? They looked like a pretty cool experience last week, mate. And also give us that even strokes discount code for all the listeners as well. Yeah, so I'll start with the uh, discount code. That's Brad Wheeler 10. So that'll get you 10% off at evenstrokes.com. Just put it in at checkout. Save save yourself ten percent off. If um just started stocking depth exhaust as well for all bikes. So yeah, head on over there if you're in the market for uh, anything motocross related, and yeah, use Brad Wheeler ten at checkout for ten percent off. Um, but yeah, the <clears throat> yeah just come back. Well, not just come back. Came back on a uh, Thursday from a Yamaha test. Tested the new twenty twenty four YZ two fifty F. Um, which was awesome. Just the whole trip was mega. Yamaha really, really left no stone unturned. Um, really threw the kitchen sink at it. Just nothing was too much. Uh, didn't want for anything. Everything was prepped, ready. Track was mega. Um, and yeah, the bike, the bike's awesome. Um, just sort of putting the final touches on the review now, so that should be out this week as well. Um, and yeah, got the sort of the they had some photographers and videographers there, so got all that back as well. This week had a little flick through. There's a couple of pictures where I don't look like a complete Rodney. <laughs> um, so might have to use a couple of them. Um, but yeah, like I said, the four of you will be out this week. But yeah, it was an awesome bit of kit. Really, really surprised me how strong the motor was. Um, and yeah, it sort of had the same similar upgrades that the 450 had last year. Um, for anyone who's sort of seen that, it's basically the same. And yeah, they got the 50th anniversary edition of these, <clears throat> like the retro pink and white which is the the bike we rode, and that was that was um I think it looks sick, but um not everyone's cup of tea I must admit, but certainly mine. And we uh, also got to have a rip on the GYTR one two five, which yeah blew my mind how quick the bike was. Just no flat spot anywhere, just yeah just kept pulling and pulling, and you could um really see why uh. The 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 kiddie in the EMX one two five won the title. Not that he's no good, but the bike is um definitely not a hindrance by any stretch. Um, but yeah, really the trip was awesome. Got back, then we had a wedding, and then I had a stag do. Uh, and I I got told by my wife to not not moan about how tired I am because she'd had the kids all week. So, um. <laughs> secretly was hanging out my ass but was not allowed to moan about it that nah, sounds like a great week mate very busy man and yeah that test definitely sounded like there was some great things the fans will be looking forward to for those bikes and i guess yourself as well mate so we look forward to reading that review on mx vice when it comes out and 
yeah, any final thoughts, I guess, on that test and just the overall takeaway and how highly would you recommend those bikes, mate? Because they're pretty special, aren't they? Yeah, I think if you're if you're in the market for a, like a, a new 250F, it's definitely worth um, sort of looking into, even if you're not a, not a big Yam fan. Um, I've never been a massive Yam guy personally. Um, but yeah, really, the bike handles really well it's got kyb um suspension front and back it feels really sort of planted and agile and yeah like i said the motor is this um i would say it's the strongest motor in the 250 class so um yeah if you're sort of racing at a high level in that 250 class it's definitely a great starting point and even if you're just like a normal vet rider it it does everything you want really is there's if you're not really looking for a 450 it's a great sort of substitute because <clears throat> it'll it'll pull third gear most places um and yeah like i said really comfortable to ride and yeah i just was blown away by the bike and just the whole trip at how much effort they'd gone into and the planning sort of down to the down to the last minute it was, it was, um, yeah, basically just like when you book a, a ride holiday, it was, it was basically that, um, there was no, no expense was too much. No question was too stupid. And they really, they really got us all sort of clued up on the workings of the bike and all the things that had changed from 23 to 24. And it was, yeah, really I wouldn't say an experience of a lifetime, but I really hope I can go next year. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome, mate. It sounds like definitely a good one. And yeah, we'll keep an eye out for that when that comes out. But yeah, I guess with the SMX angle and the US focus on this one, I guess we'll start with Team USA, mate. What are your expectations for them? Obviously, they're still in with a legitimate chance of winning, and the podium is definitely on the cards for them, I'd imagine, because. I guess even though it's not the you know the best team, they could send the teams absolutely elite because of the depth in US motocross and the guys want to be there and that's the key thing because they were so close to not sending a team and they've got three guys that are all in and all want to be there and all want to show that they can get the job done. And you look at the riders, RJ, if he gets a start, you know, he could definitely do some great things, even win motos, win his class. It wouldn't be beyond the realm there. So, and then AP, you know, he's going to be after it all heart, you know, he'd be letting it all hang out. He'd be loving the atmosphere, the environment. It's going to be fascinating seeing him. And I guess Christian Craig's a bit of a wild card. Obviously, he's been back on the bike six weeks, so that's plenty of time to get the fitness and the, the stamina and sort of that intensity back. So he'll be a bit of a dark horse heading in. And I guess people are quick to forget in this sport, but last year even, and even in the past, he's so good at outdoors on a 450. So he was pretty much the next guy behind those heavy hitters, Sexton and Tomac, in that sort of magical title fight last year a lot of the time. So just your thoughts on him, mate, and just the team in general, and what are your expectations heading in? Because I reckon they'll definitely, you know, prove some people wrong and catch a few eyes, won't they? Yeah, I think having three guys that are enthusiastic about going, they want to go there, um, is a big is a big plus because <clears throat> that can carry you a long way. If um, particularly if you're a Christian Craig who's not had not going to have the race fitness of the rest of the guys. Um, if he pulls a start and is running up there, that <clears throat> that sort of enthusiasm of, to ride for your country and sort of <clears throat> that whole bleed red, white, and blue type um, mentality can really could carry him sort of <laughs> the last ten minutes and could be sort of the result 
that sort of more seals their fate. Um, obviously, RJ and Aaron have raced pretty much all year, so they're going to be their fitness is not going to be an issue. Um, it just uh, it's going to come down to the starts. Our both Aaron and RJ's starts have <clears throat> kind of been a bit hit or miss, especially RJ's, but we've seen what you can do with a start so it's just going to be a question of if you can just get one one good start and just hang it out there for 30 minutes but yeah it's the grids are going to be different to what they're used to starting on um the track conditions are probably gonna be like nothing they've really ever ridden before um like their suspension i think is going to be way too stiff for erne uh it's it's quite a, a slow track, tight turns. It's not fast pace. You're not hitting the outsides everywhere like you're doing a lot of the AMA races. So <clears throat> I think they'll struggle in that in that context. But um, like I said, these are professional motocross athletes, um, whether whether they're in Europe or America. So if you if you give them a start, they're going to run run the pace. I'd have thought. So yeah, there's. I don't think a win would surprise me, but a podium appearance, definitely not. I think third is very much on the cards. I think the win is kind of between Australia and France um, with Belgium sort of a 1A. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we're going to France in October. There's a, there's just as much chance he could absolutely thrash it down. And, um, yeah, the whole... The whole story could, could be completely different. We know Aaron likes likes the mud. We know RJ is not afraid to throw it down the inside in the mud. And <laughs> uh, Christian's just a very technically gifted rider, so conditions like that are not going to be an issue for him. He's not going to be just grabbing handfuls of throttle everywhere. He's a smooth rider. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think if, if it lashes down with rain, I think that's their best chance of getting a, a win. I don't think they're going to win just on pure pace alone. They're going to need a bit of help from older, old mother nature. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be interesting, mate. And just like the starts is just so key at an event like that and the gate pick and the strategy behind that and obviously where you put your riders in relation to the others. So it's going to be really interesting watching that side of it, mate. And obviously there'll be a lot of chat about whether to paddle tire it for the start or not to sort of put you in good stead for the rest of the moto. So what's your take on those two things and just how important they are? Yeah, I think um, mm. if I'm DeCosta, I'm, I'm giving the inside gate to the 450 guy each time. Because uh, RJ Hampshire as a start are too inconsistent, and he he's his his fitness is his um like his strength, so he's not going to get tired. He's going to charge right to the end. So he if he's back in twentieth position or something at the halfway point, uh, when guys are starting to flag a little bit, he'll he can he'll just carry on picking them off working his way up to the front and there's there's every chance he's going to start in 20th from gate 25 as there is if he starts from gate five whereas Plessinger if he can pull a start he's capable of running the pace um in the top five um and he's less a lot less likely I think to get a top five start from um like a 
the the outside half of the of the doghouse, and same goes for Christian. I think. Um, but yeah, our RJ's on the two fifty, so he's very less likely to get a top five start from anywhere. So, yeah, as shit as it is for for the two fifty guy, um, I think you're going to see a lot of four fifties up at the inside. It may be slightly different for France, perhaps because obviously VL such a strong starter, or he he was. <laughs> when he yeah. rode GPs. So <clears throat> I think France might be the only person they put at the inside. Um, but again, I think that will only be with in the MX2 in the open race. I think they'll give the inside gate to Fevre just because he's he's capable of winning the race. Yeah, it's going to be yeah, the paddle. The paddle, I don't think you're going to see it. It's just too stony. Um, too many off cambers, it gets super hard. Yeah, I'd be you might maybe in qualifying perhaps, um, for like just those one laps if it's if they rip it quite deep, but yeah, I'd be very surprised to see a paddle side on the start line. Yeah, it's too much of a deficit and just put yourself in a tough position to go through and work through it for the whole rest of the moto or whatever race it is. So, yeah, we'll yeah. watch that one closely. But I guess with RJ, he's obviously been a bit banged up lately. So apparently he's pretty healthy. So that definitely bodes well for the USA as well, mate. And I guess Hunter's injury is another one that everyone's keeping an eye on and waiting for some news on. I guess he's going to be doing everything he can to get fit. But obviously, like JT was saying to us uh, last week, he, you know, he gave up, you know, over $400,000 missing that race, essentially what he could have earned. So, you know, he must have been in some serious pain with that nerve issue in the back there. So we'll definitely keep a close eye on that. But as we were discussing on a previous pod that, you know, the Australian Supercross season starts this weekend as well. So there's not really going to be too many guys available because they're all locked in with that and been preparing for that. The only real guy we can sort of think of has been Jed Beaton because he obviously doesn't do Australian Supercross. If they needed to, obviously he's had that link up with Washougal and the HRC guys when he did that AMA national there. So he would probably be the only other option really at this point to head over, which is a good option still, but we definitely hope Hunter gets there, mate, because it'd be a massive loss for Australia not having him, even though Beaton's an absolute weapon, but he hasn't had the best year on that Honda, so we'll see how it goes, mate. But what's your take on Hunter and just what I said there? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think he'll he'll be okay. He might not be 100%, but I think uh, as far as the 250 riders go, he's still going to be one of the best ones there. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, again, it's going to it's a tricky one between him and Ferris on kind of who you give the the advantage to on the start. Again, Ferris is such a good starter, isn't he? Yeah. Again, I think you've got to give the inside to Ferris and just sort of hope that he, he rips a whole shot and can just hang it out up there. Um, because, yeah, it's very unlikely that you're going to get a, a whole shot on a 250. Um, and again, if if all the 250 guys end up with the second gate pick, it really doesn't matter either way um, because you're all going to get shit starts. And we've seen Hunter's, he's good at making passes. Fitness isn't an issue. Um, Used to so, bad starts quite often too, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. So he's in like, he's ridden, I'm pretty sure he's ridden this track before. So he's sort of going to know how it's going to develop, where you can make passes, where you need to follow. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, again, you're going to see, I think a lot of the teams you're going to see 250s on like the second pick, 
Yeah, it's going to be pretty good, mate. Just keep on the theme of Team Australia. Obviously, Jet Lawrence will be the favourite to win his class and just dominate, which we, I guess, expect now because he's just that good, isn't he, mate? And Dean Ferris, I guess people come in, he's a little bit underrated by a lot of people maybe in Europe and US, but following the Aussie motocross, he's been an absolute weapon this year. Clearly the best guy, and he's got that Euro experience. He's super fit, really healthy, great starter. You know, he knows these tracks. He knows the environment of the nation. So he should be doing really well, I reckon, mate. And we might even drop one of the Lawrence brothers' scores, probably Hunter's, because Ferris is in good nick. But I suppose it's going to be a whole new thing, battling those guys over there who have been doing it all year and at a higher level for, you know, the last few years, whereas he's been more domestic-based. But I reckon he should go and turn a few heads, mate. What's your sort of the GB talk about Ferris and how he is at the moment, mate? Because he's definitely still a weapon. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's been a while since we've seen Ferris at the GPs. I know he did a couple of nationals, sort of, but even that was sort of like five or six years ago. Um, may even may even be slightly longer than that. But um, he's been yeah, in like and said, out of retirement. Yeah, like he's obviously killed it this year. But yeah, again, racing the domestic championships, the the levels totally different at a GP or at, at an AMA national. So. Um, if if he can if he can get the starts, I can, and he can get two results in that top ten. I think that's all you can really ask out of him, just through the sheer depth of the classes. I think any chance of Australia winning is going to come with Jet sort of going one one. Um, if he can get two results in the top three, I think yeah, I think Australia's <clears throat> in going to be struggling to get the overall just because the France, the French team, they don't really have a weak rider. Um, I mean, you could say it's Renault because he's missed a, a fair bit of the season, but he's, he's still, I mean, <clears throat> he's really the only person that's ever beat Jet on a 450 outdoors. Um, he's the still coming in under year. a bit of an injury cloud, isn't he, Maxine? Yeah, obviously, yeah, still slightly banged up. But and also it's in France, they're French. Mm. Uh they've probably logged a million laps <laughs> around the track this week alone. Um <laughs> so yeah, it it's definitely an uphill task Australia have got. But yeah, this is their best chance um that they've ever had, I think. Back to I guess your Reed Metcalf burner days would be yeah. Your, your best your next best team i guess yeah obviously last year was pretty good too mate but yeah hopefully they can get it done but it's going to be so competitive like you said mate the depth is really strong this year there's so many good riders everywhere but i guess for your focus mate gb how excited are you and what are your expectations for them obviously gilbert muse watson's a really strong team as well probably getting a little bit overlooked but i reckon it's a good team and they could really do some damage especially if you get that dodgy weather coming in yeah again i think the weather would would definitely help team gb uh i think um there's not negative comments i think just the expectations are not as high as they were when we had like tommy dino and max um like back when they were sort of in their prime but um yeah i think i was i was sat next to josh gilbert at the wedding and he's bang up for it he's lost a bunch of weight to ride the 250 um he feels really comfortable on it comrade is that a great year and like 450 and um ben's obviously been racing gps all year so i think i think if we if we could get a top five i think that's 
that's um a great result for us. Um, just it's obviously it will be Josh's first time at the Nations. It will be Comrade's first time at the Nations on a four fifty. Um, and yeah, obviously last year we didn't it didn't really go to plan. It was just a I don't know bit of a bit of a mess from the word go. Uh, so yeah, I think if if we end up top five overall, that's a great result for us. Um, a realistic, realistically, I think it's sort of seventh. I think would be if I was gonna place a bet, that's where I'd say we'll end up. But um, yeah, like a a bit of rain and um, yeah, that podium's looking looking awfully tasty because we have had a shit year over here for rain. Yeah, mate, they're probably due for some in France. You reckon they sort of act as a level of there, mate? But I guess another couple yeah, of team I mean, changes I'm, heading in. I'm not be. going to watch, so I'll be praying for rain. <laughs> Let everybody <laughs> else deal with it, mate. But yeah, yeah. A couple of other changes we were sort of talking on before. Obviously, Spain's brought in Oliver for Braceras, who just couldn't get up for it with an injury there, mate. But Oliver may even be an upgrade given current form, given he's won the ADAC 250 class and he's got so many top 10 results in MX2 and he's an absolute weapon out of the gate. Such a good starter. Mm. So that's sort of not really anything lost there for Spain. And Bonacorsi coming in for Italy. Obviously, Guadagnini not up for it. Had that big injury. So, yeah, he's actually a really interesting one, Bonacorsi. Obviously, MX250 champion. He's a huge man. And he's clearly probably ready for MXGP now. And he's a big unit and big frame. So he'll probably have no issues on that one. And talking to Lorenzo last week, he said he wouldn't be surprised if he just did one year in MX2 next year and straight up to MXGP because it's too much of a hindrance to size on the smaller bike so really interesting to see how he's set yeah. in there mate because italy's definitely got a chance at the podium looking at it mate so and then as you sort of go down yeah. to germany we spoke about it a lot of people probably aren't that high on tom cock but he's a really excellent rider push nagel all the way in the adac obviously got that eighth in madley base and then we talk about the eighth in trentino in 2021 that mxgp season went down to the wire and you know that's no mean feat everyone was fit and healthy that year so Pretty impressive, mate. He's definitely got the speed and the skills. And if you just need one result from him and then you get, you know, Kenny Roxon speaks for himself and Langenfeld has just been an absolute weapon since he came back from injury. So, you know, Germany's definitely got a legitimate chance, don't they, mate? And when you look at that Spain overall team, Oliver, Prado, Fernandez, you know, there's no reason why they can't do some really amazing things as well. And we've spoken about Belgium, Kuna, Nevitz, Iago. That's a really talented team, young team. There might be some mistakes in there, but... You know, it's going to be pretty up there if they can piece it together. Why not for a podium? And I guess the Netherlands should really be sort of podium locks almost with the Wolf, Cole, Knopf and Vlander. And even though they don't have hurlings, how good's that team, mate? It's so many storylines, so many things to look out for and so many potential spoilers, guys like Wolfmo and Geiser and, you know, even Switzerland. Tonus, GOC was a really strong team. There's so many guys that could mix it up there on the hard pack too, isn't there? Yeah, Olivier, yeah, Olivier coming in for Braceras. Yes. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's a, a pretty sideways move. Um, yeah, Olivier's had, had some really great starts, which I think is actually, I I picked him over Braceras to begin with anyway, just because he has such good starts. Um, but yeah, that, that team's pretty solid. If you can get the Fernandes that turned up in Argentina at the start of the year, um, they're on for, well, yeah, there's, that's a, a winning team um with obviously prado lightning at the gate uh fresh off the g mxgp world title as well so riding confidence 
he's going to want to go out and prove that he's better than Jet, or at least as good as Jet. So, yeah, that would be interesting, just that battle alone between Prado and Jet. Um, and Fevra. Yeah, and Fevra as well, obviously, wanting to prove that like, he would have won the title had he pulled his finger out of his ass at the start of the year. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, Germany, yeah, like you said, you just need that one result from old Tom Cock, and um, they're, they're in for a shot as well at, at the podium with Lagenfelder sort of really switched on the second half of this year since coming back from injury. Roxon is on great form at the moment. I think he rode better than anyone expected at SMX. Obviously, great outdoors. Um, also, will have rode Ernie in the past. Uh, most likely on a Suzuki as well. It'll be um, cool to see that Suzuki out there, won't it? Yeah, and yeah, just cool to see the Suzuki out there. Cool to see Roxon racing back in Europe. Um, just a fan favorite, I think, for anyone is is Ken. So that'd be cool to see him back, sort of in that, um, in like the European mode. Uh, and then the other team, what was the other team you said? Belgium, yeah, Italy um, as well. Yeah, yeah, uh, Italy. I think they've got three good riders. I they could maybe sneak the podium if everything sort of falls their right way. Obviously, Frat is riding really well at the moment. Um, Bon, of course, he was actually at the Yamaha test. Um, went out and spun a few laps on the on the new bike. So it'd be interesting to see if he turns up on the on the new twenty four or if he um rides his sort of race bike from the EMX series. But uh, I, I I put in a heater lap behind him. He he gapped me. He gapped me, but. <laughs> Um, <laughs> he was he was pretty good. Um, yeah, I like I say he's a pretty hefty lad. So we yeah, you could see him move straight from MXT after MX two after his rookie year to MXGP. Obviously, I think Guadagnini did that as well. Um, or did like a year and a half, and then moved up. So um, and then their other rider, Adamo, obviously just won the MX2 world titles, he's going to be out to sort of stick it to Hunter and RJ and <clears throat> prove that he's no joke. And obviously Vial as well. Um, And Belgium. Yeah, I think Belgium's kind of similar to Italy in the fact that they've just got three solid riders. Geertz on his day, mm. if he can keep it up right, is arguably one like one of the fastest in the world. Um it's just a question if he can keep it outright. And then obviously Everts and who's the third rider again? Lucas Coonan. Oh yeah, of course, Lucas Coonan. Um could do anything. Yeah, obviously yeah, his first nations just another I think if he gets a start um yeah if he gets a start I can actually see him winning a race. Um, obviously he'd have to get the whole shot and a few things would have to fall his way but I could just I kind of don't know that's if I was going to pick an MX2 rider to win a race I think it'd be him just I feel like he I don't know I feel like that's the sort of thing he would do mm. Um, so yeah that's another great team there's a lot of good teams it's if, yeah it's hard to pick it's hard to pick that third spot on the podium I think I think Australia and 
Um, France are a lock for the podium. And then, yeah, that third place is really just... Yeah. The Netherlands, Shuck, Germany, Spain probably lining up, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, Netherlands as well, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> um, fuck me. If we get a, if GP get a top five, they're fucking doing something right. Because, uh, yeah, that's a that's a deep field of really good riders. Yeah, that's no, going to be pretty cool, mate. It was definitely going to be a good atmosphere there at NA as well. And I guess you were there in 2015, weren't you, mate? So the environment's going to be absolutely pumping with the chainsaws, flares, horns, bonfires. James was going on about, you know, the painted goats and yeah. folks driving through campsites, just knocking over tents, absolutely loose. And just, I guess, your talk on that, mate. And as well, I guess, before we sort of get onto the predictions, maybe a little bit more, but you look at Canada's team, right? Pettis, McNabb, they could do some damage. And then guys like McClellan for South Africa. You got, we mentioned Horgmo. We mentioned, obviously, gifting. You got Geyser, Panzer, and even cool to see guys like Varese and Harlan for Guam and Chambers for Puerto Rico. And I guess Stauffer for Austria, he showed what he could do in MX2. Very impressive bike, obviously a KTM test rider. So he could throw it in there as well, mate. And Estonia, Coolis, Leoch and Talviku is a really good team. So I guess your thoughts on those last few teams and just how good's the atmosphere going to be at RNA, mate? Yeah, I think obviously Geyser's severely hindered by the fact that he doesn't really have those backup riders um so it's really just a, a sort of like a hope that he the other two do enough that he qualifies and then just sort of plays the spoiler card um same with sort of see where tonus has been at the game a little bit um but they, they should still qualify relatively comfortably but see where another one that could sort of play that spoiler card um yeah, there's and then yeah, there's obviously a few nations that are going to be having their own battles. I'm sure Ireland will be in the B final, um, battling with um, Ecuador like they usually do. Um, so that'll be that'll be good to see Martin Barr and uh, I think it's Glenn McCormack and Jason Mira um, out there battling along she's usually pissing down at the b final so that'd be good to see um but yeah i is <clears throat> you the good thing about the nations is there's always a battle somewhere um you never end up with someone riding around on their own it seems like so that'd be good and yeah like urinate for those who haven't been the the viewing is great you can pretty much see the whole track from where you stand and you basically just stood at the bottom of the track looking up at it it's a pretty compact area, so the atmosphere just is immense. Um, obviously, France won it there back in 2015. And, yeah, like every time a French guy made a move, it just lit up. It was insane. Uh, and the, the party pits, there were cars on the roofs, there were caravans on fire. Um, it was fucking mental. <laughs> I it was, yeah, it was insane i walked five miles the opposite direction to my camper because i had no idea where i was going <laughs> absolutely blackout blackout drunk <laughs> managed to find managed to find the security guy who gave me a lift back to the camping on, on his quad um <laughs> and yeah then nurse the nurse the hangover for all of saturday but <laughs> uh you know it was um it was uh 
one that I won't forget for sure. It was probably one, probably I think Matali in twenty seventeen was probably the the best nations I've been to, just because you got that the same vibe that you got from France, but it was you were cheering on English guys, and obviously Ansi went one one. Um, it was the first time that we'd got on the podium, I think, since we won it in 94. Um, so that was cool. Um, and yeah, just Anstey sort of beating Hurlins and Fevra and basically just living up to his potential for that one weekend um, was cool. Um, and Matt is, even though it was miserable and raining, it was yeah cool to see Ants to go one one. It was great to see the Americans struggle as much as they did, and yeah that that for me was my my best nations to to be at. I mean I was lucky enough to go to all of them from two thousand six up to twenty seventeen, barring Kegums and Buds Creek, uh, and to be fair, each one's had had like a a moment that kind of sticks with me. The the battle between Tomac and Roxon at Toy Chantal in twenty thirteen was awesome. Obviously Roxon last race on two fifty F in Germany. They'd won it the year before. Um he was desperate to sort of win a race outright. So that was cool. Um obviously seeing the Americans get beat after so long at Lommel. Um and like not just beat but absolutely spanked. Uh, watching the the AMA national champ get lapped. Um, by Hurlins was pretty phenomenal. Watching Barsha just clean out a billboard, um, was cool. Uh, yeah, I just and then obviously Majora. It was so tight with America and France. And then like Webb dropped it on that corner, and obviously Anderson got landed on, and yeah, there's just there's always a, there's always something that happens at the nations that kind of sticks with you. Um, obviously the 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 biggest one for most people is '06 when Everest just rode around the outside of Stewart. Yeah. Um, that's kind of a a nation's top five highlight moment, I think, for a lot of people. Um and also like obviously RC being lapped twice at Fox Hills in ninety eight. Um yeah, I mean that's like just some of the some of the things I can remember like that kind of stuck with me through the through the years of watching the nations. But what what about you? What's I mean obviously people look at things differently, but what's kind of the things that you remember from nations in years past? Yeah, obviously, definitely, Erne, 2015, you're looking at it like you were saying, so many of those heavy hitters holding their own, like Muscan, Barsha, Webb, Fevre, you know, even Townley getting out there for the Kiwis. It was just so many cool mm. subplots going on that one. And like you said, Majora 2016, that was pretty amazing. Obviously, the way it went down, there were so many lead changes. The Netherlands were up there with Hurlings and, you know, Fevre was tearing it up and Anderson, you know, getting landed on it. It's sort of like we were talking to Jeff Emig about that. 
a couple of weeks ago and he was just like on the commentary it's like what do you do you just sort of go silent and you can't believe you're actually witnessing something like that and just so much incredible stuff happens doesn't it mate and you know obviously like you said the home one for Natalie Basin there for Team GB what a special occasion that was with Anstey so you sort of go back through all those years with the Everts and the Carmichael and even like Bain 96 with Team USA and all the big jumps there and you know a lot of the other guys struggled with Team USA just loved it and just that winning streak and we were talking about 92 Manjum up in Australia where Jeff Emig with his thumb with the injury there, mate, and he battled on it. And his mechanic was like, don't even think about telling anyone. Like he slapped him in the face and said, you'll ride, just do it now. He's like, I'm barely even hold on to the truck in the parade. It was that sore, but he just fought through it and they got the job done. And it was like, considered a bit of a B team there it's so far away from everything there like WA is just ages away even from where I'm on the east coast here so to get that trip in and come back with the glory was pretty amazing mate and so many good riders as well and you look back and you think it's kind of sad when you hear teams that don't want to go or you know riders that don't want to go when you look back at that history it's a sad little development lately but there is a lot of other things at play financially and team politics but yeah you look at some of those older days and think yeah it'd be nice just everyone pull together for one race but there's a lot more to it mate and obviously last year even for Australia getting a podium and you know hadn't had one for quite a long time back to those days we mentioned earlier and you know that was a pretty special thing not too far off the win mate and obviously the Lawrence brothers and you know Evans and Beaton and all these guys should hold us in good stead in the future to get a win even if we don't do it this year so there's just so much there yeah. I guess did any of that sort of spark your interest too mate maybe that 90 yeah I think up with uh, Jeff Eddick was pretty cool there's a big photo of him just basically just lent right over is pretty iconic as well <laughs> yeah i mean obviously for us 94 was like the last time that we'd won it last time we won it in um switzerland yeah with um paul malin Aaron, and kurt nickel um obviously albie greg albertine hit the deer as well yeah um yeah i mean I don't remember much from those sort of from those years. Obviously, you'd have been born in '94, um, kind of 2001 onwards is where it kind of starts for me. Obviously, I've watched ones in the past, like obviously the the one at Majora where uh, <clears throat> Thorpe gets overtaken by Johnny L on the one two five. Um, yeah, that was the '86 majora too, isn't it? '86, yeah. Time. So, yeah, but there was one I was going to say, and I can't remember what it was now. Um, obviously, then in '03, oh, in 2004, obviously America didn't come because of the 9/11, and then came back in '05 with uh, Winder Marcy and the sort of like the final of RC versus. Um, Everett's and Everett's goes down in the first corner in both races, and RC just kind of walks away with it again. But yeah, it's uh the race just I don't know just seems to breed havoc at some point. And I mean, we were in Majora, yeah. I mean, we were in Majora when obviously Anderson got landed on, but he. He had such a big lead. You kind of just watched him go down past pit lane. I thought, oh, he's going to win the race, blah, blah, blah. And everyone sort of turned around with them, was looking at for like Fevro and Webb and everyone. And then it was like nobody really reacted because nobody really watched him cross the line because it was just like a dead cert that, yeah, he's just going to roll over and blah, blah, blah. And then 
you're just seeing like a bike just sort of without a rider on the side of the track and like thinking what the fuck's going on what yeah. and um yeah and they sort of showed it up on the big screen and that was like when you when the crowd reacted um it was pretty crazy but yeah for me <clears throat> 2017 is the is the one that sticks with me just the crowd at Matley Basin was epic sort of just re- yeah just really got behind Max, Tommy and Dino the conditions were far from ideal and yeah I think that was kind of the first time we saw Hunter Lawrence as well like what he was capable of um, at that level putting that great ride on that Suzuki um, it was the the first time that we saw like rejuvenated Zach Osborne on the Husky um, also having a stormer of a ride it was a uh, it was just uh yeah, really cool, really cool nations. But yeah, I I wasn't lucky enough to go to Red Bud either time. But twenty eighteen kind of looked um I don't know, just a bit underwhelming. Um obviously with uh was it Volandra that took the stone to the eye? Yeah. And um basically well. Yeah, and then Netherlands went like one two, one two, in the other races. Um, so obviously they would have probably won had Valandrin just put in a semi decent result. But as it was, um, France just ended up just sort of going on this streak where nothing could go wrong. They could pick anyone, yeah, and turn up and just win. They like. <laughs> In 2017, they picked Charlier, who'd been doing enduros for like <clears throat> two or three years, and then luck would have it. It's just absolutely pissed it down. <laughs> and he ends up being like one of their best riders. Um, yeah, just, yeah. It, I mean, it happened to America for such a long time between 2005 and 20, 2012. Like, they just couldn't do anything wrong. Everything fell their way in Francia Corta in Italy in 09. They picked what again was considered a B team with yep. Weimer and Dungey, not, not the Ryan Dungey that we know now, but Ryan Dungey that had never raced a 450. And um, Ivan Tedesco, who was kind of on his way out. And yeah, they were pretty much kind of there, thereabouts, and then in the last race, Caroli goes completely upside down down the start straight and um basically hands it hands it to Team America. Because we we were actually stood right near the podium before the last race and they had they had the Italian flag in the middle ready to go up. Yeah. Like it was it was a it was a sealed deal. Like <clears throat> this is we're not losing this. We will we will let Caroli cut the track somewhere if we have to. We're not <laughs> losing. And yeah, him in, I think it was him and Gonari just cartwheeled down the start straight and <laughs> there's no coming back from that. You just Fact. like 60,000 people have just seen it. You can't, he's, that's it. He's out. He's, I mean, Caroli's had some shit luck at the Nations. I must hand it to him. Um, but he got one in the end there, didn't he? Yeah, he's <laughs> finally got that one. In um in Mantua in Italy, funnily enough, um, 
But yeah, just again, like Team America, Team France couldn't do anything wrong. It was like really just could could not catch a break. Like yeah. he would just have a small tip over and snap his bars off. Um, but yeah, it's I guess just for some people, it, the nations is it works for them. The the whole vibe works for them. Things just fall that way for them, and then other people, it just seems like a fucking nightmare. Yeah, I know. So much stuff gets thrown in the mix there, mate. And yeah, when you throw in weather and just bad luck and crazy things, even with that Team Italy win with the Lupino penalty, like there was so much discussion about that too, mate. So oh, my I God, guess, yeah. I like, guess with, uh, with all that... just enough the... positions that they still win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah that mate, works. There's going to be plenty of more talking points this weekend, mate. And it was good to sort of have a blast back in the past with those some of those memories mate they sort of you forget about them for a while you sort of have to dig back into the mind to remember them as you talk and they come to you so that was pretty cool mate to do that one i'm sure the fans any feedback would be appreciated i'm sure they've got some pretty cool memories too and i guess to finalize this one mate because uh you know there's so many teams that could win this who are your predictions i guess even though being aussie would love the aussies to win but i guess if we're being you know frank about it you'd probably say france has got the strongest team on and being at home and the track and everything there's so many advantages for them just like there was for the usa last year so you know that'll be really interesting to see how that pans out but i guess you've got to go france australia the netherlands at this point and then germany spain italy belgium usa will be following right on their heels for those podium spots so who have you got for the picks mate and it's pretty hard to choose isn't it yeah it is um but yeah i'm gonna pick france just because it's in france um Favre's like pretty much caught fire right at the right time. Um, Vial's such a good starter, and Renault is if he's sort of even back to like eighty five percent. Um, I still think that's enough to get the job done. I think at eighty five percent, Renault is better than a hundred percent Dean Ferris. Um, if I'm just sort of going yeah. match for match, and I think Favre is capable of beating Jet. Um. That that being said, it's a difficult one, but I think I think Spain are gonna finish second. Just I think Prado is gonna he's gonna come out swinging and just sort of really put a stamp on that title. Um, I think Fernandez is gonna show up, and yeah, just one star out of Olivier, get him like a twelfth or something. And I think they're going to finish second. I think, yeah, I think if Hunt, obviously Hunter is coming in under the weather, if it was 100% Hunter Lawrence, then it might have been a different story. And also I think I think they've missed a trick by not putting them on a 450 personally, even though he's not raced one all year. I think just for the start, I think if he could have got a top five start, he's a good enough rider to hang it out there and get like a seventh or something. Um, whereas on the 250, around a track like that, I think he's just going to struggle. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go France, Spain, Australia. Oh, I like it, It's going to be fascinating, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's going to be good. Go on then. Let's, let's hear it. Well, I sort of gave you mine just before, mate, with the France, Australia, Netherlands, and then obviously we mentioned Germany, Spain, Italy, Belgium, USA for the other podium spots. If they can, you know, 
push the other ones off. I'm sure these predictions will probably look pretty silly come next time we chat, mate, but it's, uh, yeah. it's just so hard to choose. <laughs> you know, sometimes they talk about the nations not having huge depth, but I feel this year there's just so much depth. So it makes it nine impossible yeah. to pick and there's so many variables that can go wrong and that can go right for others. So we'll just all be watching with interest and following an MX Vice, won't we, mate? And I guess before we go, do you want to shout out to anyone or do a quick sort of final thoughts and do that code again for us, mate? Yeah, so obviously a, a big thanks to um, Even Strokes and MX Vice, both keeping us afloat doing these podcasts and um, kind enough to give us a discount code of Ragwheeler10. Um, so yeah, if you put that in at the checkout, evenstrokes.com, you get 10% off uh, your overall price. So um, yeah, if you enjoyed listening to these podcasts, then if anything you need to buy motocross related, whether it's kit parts, anything like that, if you can, uh, if you do it at evenstrokes.com, that goes a long way with um, helping us do these podcasts. So yeah, big shout out to them. And obviously if it weren't for MX5, I wouldn't have had that lovely, lovely little jolly to France in the week either. So big thanks to them. Yeah, well said, mate. We appreciate everyone and you know, everyone associated with MX Vice and James and Even Strokes and all the sponsors and all the listeners, the readers of the site. It's all yeah, we're really grateful for it, mate. So that's for sure. And also other people we're grateful for are the sponsors. So before we wrap this one up, we'll thank Golf Racing, Fuels, Fly Racing, Monster Energy, Fox, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Acherbies, ASV Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK. O'Neill and of course even strokes for all their support as without them none of this would be possible all right thanks again for joining us brad it's been another good episode so we'll uh, look forward to speaking soon and enjoy the nations yeah cheers bud on you no worries mate have a good one